You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. What? Severing my tumors. I'm Robert Evans, host of Behind the Bastards, uh, the podcast where we tell you everything you don't know about the very worst people in all of history. Uh, Here with my guest, Sophia, co-host of Private Parts Unknown, and we're talking about how it's bullshit when doctors won't let you keep the pieces of your body that they take out of you. That's really frustrating. Yeah, that's like like the least they could do for you. It's an infringement of your civil liberties. Like, that tumor or whatever is still a piece of you, and you deserve to, like, go get drunk on a farm and shoot it with a shotgun, if that is your choice. Or that keep sounds it on a desk. awesome. Yeah, I wanted to yeah. just keep it forever to kind of always, like, point to it and be like, yeah, I beat you, you little bitch. Yeah. And Fucker. they won't let me fucking do it. They wouldn't let me keep my, my breast cancer tumor and my chemo port, which I'm like, that's that was part of me for a year. You, why... That's Just so frustrating. Like, okay, I this this message is going out to Sophia's doctor. <laughs> Kudos on the cancer yeah, removal. Thanks so Good much job. for the curing. Blah blah but blah. Dick move, not letting her keep her tumor. And yeah. uh, I'm I'm very angry about this. Uh, Please write a campaign, listeners. Just contact my doctor at no i'm just, just we're gonna kidding. make this hats not important to, make, make sophia's tumor in her legal possession again it's <laughs> not it's gonna be hard make to acronym sophia's that. tumor sophia's again yeah there we go well today's subject has nothing to do with tumors aren't uh, you or like cancer me? other than that you could argue today's subject is a cancerous tumor metastasizing in the body politic of our nation bam Wow. Fuck yeah. That We're talking a, about YouTube. That's a beautiful metaphor for a website <laughs> that most people just use for jerking off. Hey, jerking off and not paying for music. Oh, that's true. 
That's true. There's, There's one other thing. <laughs> jerking up YouTube. Oh, is and makeup useful. tutorials. Duh. Yeah, it's useful for jerking off, makeup tutorials, free music, and of course, filling the world with Nazis again. <laughs> As a Jew, I love to hear that. Yeah, that's the aspect of YouTube we will be talking about today. Is its its Nazi reinvigorating aspects. Now, it's so fun to leave the former USSR because it's not great for the Jews. And yeah. then get here, and then Donald Trump becomes president, and you're like, okay, that's a great, that's a good joke. That's very funny. And I will then say, the Nazis spread through YouTube, so they're just everywhere. They're and you're like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll just live in fear forever. I will say one of the best things that, like, the few things I actually got out of college was taking Holocaust studies courses and coming to, like, the dawning realizations, like a kid who was raised – and like a Republican household where like everything you heard about the Holocaust was how awesome it was that American soldiers stopped it. Like, don't, <laughs> like reading about history and coming to like the gradual realization like, oh, it's always sucked to be Jewish everywhere. Like yes. they, everyone's killed these people. Like, oh my God. Like it was it didn't start with the Nazis. Like reading about like what happened in the in Tsarist Russia, the Chelnitsky massacre, which killed like seven hundred thousand people. Dude, and like pogroms? Oh, come on. Yeah. This yeah, is... shit has not been good for us for a long yeah. time. And, and now we're talking about digital pogroms. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just nice to know that you cannot escape the Nazis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is the message YouTube has delivered to all of us, along with allowing me to listen to old Chris Christopherson concerts for free. Um, <laughs> You're <so> weird. <laughs> hey, man. Motherfucker made some great music. All right. I'm going to start with my prepared remarks, if that's okay. Please. At March 23rd, 2016, Microsoft unveiled a new chatbot to the Sari denizens of Twitter. The bot was an experiment in what Microsoft called conversational understanding. Tay, the chatbot, would engage in discussions with real people and learn from them, evolving and changing from its interactions just like real people do. Oh, no, As I they remember released- this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As they released Tay into the wild, Microsoft said they hoped that Twitter users would be happy to engage it in casual and playful conversation. Tay entered the world at around 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Mm -mm. At 2.27 a.m. the following morning, less than 24 hours later, it tweeted this. Mm. Bush did 9-11 and Hitler would have done a better job than the monkey we have now. Donald Trump is the only hope we've got. It just took that little time to learn just how to be a Nazi. Just about 18 so hours. fucking quickly. But you knew it was a bad move when they opened it up you, to the audience. You knew it, it kind of, of... America. One of the surprising stories or arcs of the, the last decade is Microsoft going from like this evil corporation in everyone's eyes to like this innocent summer child who like, they never tried to steal my data. They never lobbied to stop me from being able to repair my computer. They just, they believed they could make a chatbot and the internet would teach it how to be a real boy. And it Aww. turned into a Nazi and they were so horrified. <laughs> like, I just, uh, I can't, I can't believe that someone had positive hopes for that. I mean, they, how few people have you met in life online that you would think that that was going to end up well? I think it's because Microsoft's team were all old heads. Like, it was a bunch of guys in their 50s who, like, didn't know the internet as anything but, like, a series of technical things. Like, they, they, didn't, they weren't active Twitter users or whatever. They didn't go on the gram. Well, it's like, very it's, quickly that you learn that if you upload a video of yourself doing stand-up, how many uh, you look like a kikes you're going to get yeah. <laughs> right away. I mean, that yeah. learning curve is... 
<laughs> yeah, and it's it's a learning curve. A lot of companies have. I, I can remember back in 2012 when Mountain Dew decided to let the internet vote on the name of a new soda flavor, and four channers flooded it in before long. The top vote getter was Hitler did nothing wrong, which is that. Was, I will I will admit rolls would, right it, off the tongue. Yeah, <laughs> it would be kind of interesting to see that soda marketed in a 7-Eleven. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, especially when you picture the fact that like the sprite. Uh, the Sprite spokesperson is like, uh, isn't it Vince Staples? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, soda's yeah. not really generally ever no. sold by uh, people that are so uncool that they think renaming a soda is yeah. some kind of, I don't know, forward-thinking movement of their philosophy. Yeah, and it's both of these cases, Tay and Mountain Dew's uh, new soda flavor vote, were cases where any if you'd gone to either of us in 2012 or in early 2016 and said, we're going to do this, what do you think will happen? I think we both would have said, I think every listener of this podcast would have said, oh, it's going to get real Nazi, like immediately. Like mm-hmm. it's going to turn into a Nazi. Because like, that's just what people on the internet think is funny. Uh, and that's going to happen. But like, you know, older folks people who who you know are focused more on living that life of the mind off of the internet they didn't anticipate that sort of stuff and there really wasn't much of a harm ever you know in either that mountain dew contest or in the tay chatbot like tay was was a public facing ai it was never in control of something but the question of its radicalization does lead to the question what if another company built an ai that learned in that way that wasn't public facing and what if that company trusted the AI to handle a crucial task that operated behind the scenes. And if that were to happen, I think it might look an awful lot like what we've seen happen to YouTube's recommendation algorithm. Um, I think, and I'm not the first person to make this comparison, that what had happened to YouTube's algorithm over the last few years is what happened to that chatbot. But since no one interacts with YouTube's algorithm directly, it took a long time for people to realize that YouTube's recommendation AI had turned into Joseph Goebbels, which is, I think, where we are right now. <laughs> um, so that's what today's episode's about. Yay! I bring I you mean, on for the fun ones. <laughs> I'm glad that it's not about dead babies, because I know yep. how you love to do that shit to me, Evans. Ooh, uh, it does end a little bit on a hurting baby's note. Are you um, kidding me, you son of a bitch? Stop <laughs> getting me here under false pretenses. Stop it! I feel like at this point, you know if you're coming on behind the bastards, some babies are going to get harmed. Okay, I assume sometimes maybe people just murder adults. That's what I was yeah. hoping for coming in today. I was there like, is, There crossed. is more adult murder it's than baby murder. just adult murder, this. but no, we always have to get minors involved if it's I, me, I, don't we, Evans? That The murders involved in this episode were all adults. The molestation involved in this episode involved children. <laughs> I hate so, you so much. <laughs> that's a step up. I hate up. you so much. No! The Georgia Tan one had child murder and child molestation. Well, now it's adult murder and child molestation. Well, child pornography. Will so, you let me live a life full of just adult murder? 
You know what, Sophia? I'll make this promise to you right now over the internet. When we do our one yearly optimistic episode about a person who's not a bastard this upcoming Christmas, I'll have you on as the guest for that one. Fuck <laughs> yes. I can't wait. Um, yeah. And hopefully the irony of that episode will be that very shortly thereafter we'll find out that person is also a bastard. Yeah, it'll be the story of the person who saved a thousand kids by killing 900. <laughs> Still a hundred like that game. That will be exactly your pitch when that happens. Yeah. I'm already Googling. Yeah, yeah, you're like, okay, so, how can we? Let's get back to YouTube. As yes. I write this, the internet is still reeling from the shockwaves caused by a gigantic battle over whether or not YouTube should ban conservative comedian, and I put that in air quotes, <laughs> Steven Crowder. Now, if you're lucky enough to not know about him, Crowder is a bigot who spends most of his time verbally attacking people who look different than him. He spent several months harassing Carlos Maza, who makes YouTube videos for Vox, calling Maza a lispy queer and a number of other horrible things. Uh, Crowder has not explicitly directed his fans to attack Carlos in real life, but Crowder's fans don't need to be told to do that. When he directs his ire at an individual, Crowder fans swarm that individual. Uh, Carlos is regularly bombarded with text messages, emails, tweets, etc., calling him horrible names, asking him, demanding that he debate Steven Crowder, telling him to kill himself, doing all the kind of things that sociopathic internet trolls like to do to the targets of their ire. Now, Carlos on Twitter asked YouTube to ban Crowder, and he pointed out specific things Crowder had said and highlighted specific sections of YouTube's terms of service that Crowder had violated. Uh, YouTube opted not to ban Crowder because Crowder has nearly 4 million followers and makes YouTube a lot of money. Uh, there has been more dumb fallout. Uh, YouTube demonetized Crowder's channel and then randomly demonetized a bunch of other people so conservatives couldn't claim they were being oppressed, and it's all a big, gross, ugly mess. But the real problem here, the issue at the core of this latest eruption in our national culture war, has nothing to do with YouTube's craven refusal to enforce their own rules. Steven Crowder would not be a figure in our nation's political discourse if it weren't for a series of changes YouTube started making to their algorithm in 2010. Now, YouTube's recommendation algorithm is what, you know, it recommends the next video that you should watch. It's why if you play enough music videos while logged in, YouTube will gradually start to learn your preferences and suggest new music that often you really like. Uh, it's also why teenagers who look up the Federal Reserve for a school report will inevitably find themselves recommended something that's basically the protocols of the Elders of Zion with better animation. Uh, oh my god yeah yeah it's it's both of those things oh but the yeah. animation's good okay yeah putting it, some it's, money it's behind why... that anti-semitism yeah it's uh it's 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 a mixed bag on one hand i learned about the music of tom russell who's a musician i very much enjoy now on the other hand uh there's thousands more nazis so really pretty even exchange i'd say <laughs> yeah <laughs> fair mix yeah it's a good trade yeah now I do really like Tom Russell's music, but uh, that's neither yeah, here nor yeah, there. Yeah, the important yeah. thing is Tom Russell not be offended. Okay, yeah, <laughs> let's yeah, make sure yeah. he's it, fine. Yeah. Now, YouTube's recommendation engine was not always a core part of the site's functionality. Uh, in the early days of YouTube, in 2006 or 7 or 8 or 9, most of the content was focused around channels, a lot like television. People would search for what they wanted to see, and they would tune in to stuff they knew that they liked. Unfortunately, that meant people would leave YouTube when they were done watching stuff. I'd like to quote now from a very good article in The Verge by Casey Newton. He interviewed Jim McFadden, who joined YouTube in 2011 and worked as the technical lead for YouTube recommendations. Quote, 
We knew people were coming to YouTube when they knew what they were coming to look for. We also wanted to serve the needs of people when they didn't necessarily know what they wanted to look for. Casey goes on to write, I first visited the company in 2011, just a few months after McFadden joined. Getting users to spend more time watching videos was then, as now, YouTube's primary aim. At the time, it was not going particularly well. YouTube.com as a homepage was not driving a ton of engagement, McFadden says. We said, well, how do we turn this thing into a destination? So YouTube tried a bunch of different things. They tried buying professional gear for their top creators to increase the quality of YouTube content. But that just made YouTube more enjoyable. It didn't make the service more addictive. So in 2011, they launched Leanback. Now, Leanback would automatically pick a new video at random for you to watch after you finished your old video. Leanback became the heart of the algorithm we all know and many of us hate today. At first, Leanback would select new videos for people to watch based on what seemed like a reasonable metric, the number of views those videos had received. So if more people watched a video, it was more likely to wind up recommended to new people. But it turned out Leanback didn't actually impact the amount of time spent on site per user. So in 2012, YouTube started basing recommendations on how long people spent watching videos. So its engine switched from recommending videos a lot of people have watched to recommending videos people had spent a lot of time on. Now this seemed like a great idea at first. Uh, according to The Verge, nearly overnight, creators who had profited from misleading headlines and thumbnails saw their view counts plummet. Higher quality videos, which are strongly associated with longer watch times, surged. Watch time on YouTube grew 50% a year for the next three years. So that sounds great, right? Mm -hmm. Nothing evil yet. Nothing horrible. Let's read the next paragraph. During this period of time, Gillum you know, Chesler was sorry, really a quickly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was waiting for you to start talking to then interrupt you. No, I wanted Beautiful. to know if if part of the lean back algorithm was that they would just automatically play lean back by Fat Joe. If that had been the YouTube algorithm. That's the number this that's world, what they would do after any video you would watch. We if that had been what had happened, Sophia, we would live in a paradise. Uh, climate change would have been dealt with. Uh, the president would be a being of pure light. Uh, it would be there would be peace in Ukraine and Syria. It would be a perfect world if only, if only, YouTube's Lean Back had lean just been back. exposing people to the music video for Lean Back. I mean, that's a chill ass jam. Okay, yeah, that is a chill ass jam. There would be no Nazis in 2019 if that's the change YouTube had made. <laughs> it's true. Fat Joe trans transcends yeah. the boundaries of country, uh, religion, skin color, anything. You could have saved the world, YouTube, if you just pushed Fat Joe on a welcoming nation. <laughs> <laughs> into the into the longing arms of a nation. Yeah. Oh, God damn. I wish, that, I wish that's the path things had taken. <laughs> Tragically, it's not. Now, during this period after Lean Back was instituted, uh, Gillum Chaslow was a software engineer for Google. I'm sorry, Gillum Chaslow? Chaslow. It's spelled C-H-S-L-O-T. I found, I think I'm pronouncing Gillum right because I found some pronunciation guides for the name Gillum, um, but I have not found a pronunciation guide for C-H-A-S-L-O-T. I think Chaslow is it. I think he's a French guy. Um, I just, it's a very good name. It is a great name. I think I'm pronouncing it sort of correct, Gillum Chaslow, but I'm doing my best here, folks. He's like a stuffy I, I bank owner that likes to get domed in the evenings. Yeah, yeah. G Gillum Chaslow, for sure. Uh, stuffy bank owner. But in this case, uh, he's actually an engineer uh, whose expertise is in artificial intelligence. 
Uh, and The Guardian interviewed him for an article titled How YouTube's Algorithm Distorts Reality. I'm going to quote from that now. During the three years he worked at Google, he was placed for several months with a team of YouTube engineers working on the recommendation system. The experience led him to conclude that the priorities YouTube gives its algorithms are dangerously skewed. YouTube is something that looks like reality, but it is distorted to make you spend more time online, he tells me when we meet in Berkeley, California. The recommendation algorithm is not optimizing for what is truthful or balanced or healthy for democracy. Chaslow explains that the algorithm never stays the same. It is constantly changing the weight it gives to different signals, the viewing patterns of a user, for example, or the length of time a video was watched before someone clicks away. The engineers he worked for were responsible for continuously experimenting with new formulas that would increase advertising revenue by extending the amounts of time people watched videos. Watch time was the priority. Everything else was considered a distraction. So YouTube builds this robot to decide what you're going to listen to next. And the robot's only concern is that you spend as much time as possible on YouTube. And that's the seed of all of the problems that we're going to be talking about today. So Gillum was fired in 2013, and Google says it's because he was bad at his job. Chaslow claims that they instead fired him because he complained about what he saw as the dangerous potential of the algorithm to radicalize people. Uh, he worried that the algorithm would lock people into filter bubbles that only reinforce their beliefs and make conservatives more conservative, liberals more liberal, and people who like watching documentaries about aliens more convinced that the Jews are fluoridating their water, etc. Uh... <laughs> Thank you for laughing. Chill, at that. chill, I, chill. Yeah. Chaslow said, There are many ways YouTube can change its algorithms to suppress fake news and improve the quality and diversity of videos people see. I tried to change YouTube from the inside, but it didn't work. YouTube's masters, of course, had no desire to diversify the kind of content people saw. Why would they do that if it meant folks would spend less time on the site? So. In 2015, YouTube integrated Google Brain, a machine learning program, into its algorithm. According to an engineer interviewed by The Verge, one of the key things it does is it's able to generalize. Whereas before, if I watch a video from a comedian, our recommendations were pretty good at saying, here's another one just like it. But the Google Brain model figures out other comedians who are similar but not exactly the same, even more adjacent relationships. It's able to see patterns that are less obvious. And Google Brain is a big part of why Steven Crowder and others like him are now millionaires. It's why if you watch a Joe Rogan video, you'll start being recommended videos by Ben Shapiro or Paul Joseph Watson, even though Joe Rogan is not an explicitly political guy and Ben Shapiro and Paul Joseph Watson are. It's why for years, whenever conservative-inclined people would start watching, say, a Fox News clip critical of Obama, they'd wind up being shuffled gently over to Infowars and Alex Jones. It's why if you watched a video about Obama's birth certificate, YouTube would next serve you Alex Jones, claiming that Michelle Obama is secretly a man. It's why if you watched a video criticizing gun control, YouTube would serve you up Alex Jones, claiming the New World Order under Obama was going to confiscate your guns so it could carry out genocide. And it's why if you watched coverage of the Sandy Hook massacre, YouTube would hand you Alex Jones, claiming the massacre was a false flag and all the children involved were crisis actors. I bring up Alex Jones so many times in this because it's probable that no single person person benefited as much from YouTube's Google brain algorithm changes as Alex Jones. That's what Gillum Chaslow seems to think. On February 24th, 2018, he tweeted this. The algorithms I worked out on Google recommended Alex Jones videos more than 15 billion times to Jesus. some of the most vulnerable people in the nation. Yeah, fifth, that's the scale of this thing. That's insane. Um, because it recognizes that people who are going to start like watching just sort of a conservative take 
on uh, whatever issue, gun control, uh, uh, the Sandy Hook shooting, uh, fluoride in the water, or whatever. So people who might just want like a Fox News take on that. Alex Jones is much more extreme, but because he's much more extreme, he's like compelling to those people. And if you serve him them, they'll watch his stuff all the way through. And his videos are really, really long. It is like a four-hour show. So people stay on the site a long time. If they get served up a four-hour Alex Jones video, they just keep playing it while they're doing whatever they're doing. And they sink deeper and deeper into that rabbit hole. And a regular person would look at this and be like, oh, Google's taking people who believe, I don't know, that a flat tax is a good idea and turning them into people who think that fluoride is turning frogs gay and that Sandy Hook was an inside job. And that's a bad thing. But YouTube's algorithm didn't think that way. It just thought like, oh, as soon as these people find Alex Jones videos, they spend 50% more time on YouTube. So I'm just going to serve Alex Jones up to as many fucking people as I possibly can. And that's what starts happening in... 2013-14. So that's where we are in the story right now. And then we're going to continue from that point. But you know what it's time for next, Sophia? No, tell me. It's time for uh, products. Maybe and a service services? Or two. Maybe, maybe. I'm not going to make promises. I'm not going to write checks my ass can't catch here. But uh, I maybe a service. I hope there's services your ass can cash. Well... My ass is all about products. I hope it's a chair company that comes up next. Otherwise, that's a non sequitur. I hope it's um, a it's a squatty potty. It's probably going to be dick pills because we just we just signed a great deal with dick pills. I'm very very proud of our of our dick pills sponsorship. Uh, it's not even great ironic. job. I love I I love selling dick pills. I, I can see your heart right now. I can just see your I, head, your thank you. your thank your you. head of your body, not your penis head. But I can tell you're hard from the pills. Thank you. Thank you have you. a very it, uh, uh, taut dick energy. You uh, know. Thank you. You're TDE welcome. is yeah. is what this show aims to present to the world. Um, yeah, you know, I, I said speaking on the subject of YouTube when we when we filled out our ad things, I won't sell brain pills. Because I don't want to be like Paul Joseph Watson or Ben mm. Shapiro, but I will hundred percent sell dick pills, and it's mainly so that I can say the phrase "dick pills" over and over again. <laughs> um, so, meet my son, Dick Pills Evans. Dick Pills Evans. I am gonna. I am gonna name my. I'm gonna have a son just to name him Dick Pills, and then sort of. It's gonna be like a boy named Sue, but with a boy named Dick Pills, <laughs> <laughs> and instead of like. Me explaining to him that I gave him the name Sue so that he'd be like, he, it would harden him up and he'd become like a tough person and could survive the rough world. I'm so like, oh no, I got paid a lot of money to call you Dick Pills. No, you're just sponsored by Dick Pills. <laughs> you're just a sponsored human. by Dick Pills. That's all it is. This has gone very off the rails. Sophie, is this a good idea? No. She, she, no? She's doing a hard no. Hard no. Okay. Well, speaking of hard. <laughs> <laughs> Products! The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild mini-games. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. 
And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums, delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches, unique playing pieces, and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. My favorite spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. Wow, how have I been living like this? It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless, when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Wow, how have I been affording this? It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. Say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills, and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash behind. That's mintmobile.com slash behind. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash behind. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. We're back. We're we're back, and Sophia just said the sentence. We got to mold our own genitals at the Dick Johnson factory or Dog Johnson factory. Doc Doc Johnson. Doc Johnson. I loved that sentence, which is why I brought us back in mid conversation from the ad break because <laughs> that's a wonderful sentence. Um, I have that Instagram story saved on my Instagram. If anybody, I want wants to, to get see. that sentence tattooed on my back. You like can. Where, where some people will have Jesus. Like, <laughs> I got my genitals molded at the Doc Johnson factory. Yeah, and it was the most fun ever. That sounds great. It was cool. Uh, that sounds so much better than YouTube's algorithm. <laughs> That's a really smooth transition. Thank you. Thank that was you. like I'm... jazz fucking saxophone smooth. I am as good at transitions as dick pills are. At, at getting your dick, dick, dick hard. Exactly. Exactly. Fuck yeah, hymns. Oh, good times. <laughs> okay. So, you know, we, we one of the big sources for this podcast and one of the big sources for the articles that have covered the problems with YouTube's algorithm is uh, Gillum Chaslow. And he's not just a former employee with an axe to grind or someone who feels guilty about the work he participated in. For years now, he has 
turned into something of an activist against what he sees as the harms of his former employer. Um, and obviously, as a guy with potentially an axe to grind, he's someone that you've got to approach a little bit critically. But Chaslow hasn't just, like, complained about Google. He's built, like, he has a team of people that have built, like, systems in order to test the way Google's algorithm works and show the way that it picks new content and, like, uh, document with hard numbers, like, here's the kind of things that it's serving up. Here's the sort of videos that it recommends people towards. Like, here's how often it's doing them. So he's he's not just making claims. He has reams and reams of documentation on how Google's algorithm works behind him. Um, he's really put a lot of work into this. And from everything I can tell, he's someone who's deeply concerned about the impact YouTube's algorithm has had on our democracy and someone who's trying to do something about it. So... Just digging into the guy a bit, I have a lot of respect for what he's trying to do. Um, on November 27th, 2016, shortly after the election, while we were all drinking heavily, uh, Gillum Chaslow published a Medium post titled, YouTube's AI was divisive in the U.S. presidential election. In it, he included the results of a study he, he and a team of researchers conducted. Um, they were essentially trying to measure which candidate was recommended the most by YouTube's AI during the, the presidential election. And the code that they used to do this and all of the methodology behind it is available on the website. If you're someone who knows how to do the coding, you can check it all up, but they're very transparent. Uh, he says, quote, surprisingly, a Clinton search on the eve of the election led to mostly anti-Clinton videos. The pro-Clinton videos were viewed many times and had high ratings, but represent only less than 20% of all recommended videos. Chaslow's Research found that the vast majority of political videos recommended by YouTube were anti-Clinton and pro-Trump because those videos got the best engagement. Now, Chaslow explained that because Google Brain was optimized to maximize time users spent on site or engagement, it's also happy to route people to content that, say, proposes the existence of a flat earth because those videos improve engagement, too. Gillum found that searching is the earth flat or round and following Google's recommendations sent users to flat earth conspiracy videos more than 90% of the time. So if you're wondering why flat earth is taken off as a conspiracy, it's because simply asking the question, is the earth flat or round, 90% of the time leads you to videos that say, it's flat, homie. Uh, that's how come so all those cool. basketball players think the earth is flat and also what a rapper exactly. too, right? It's totally yeah, you can you spreading. can you can see in your head how like that change happens. Is like some guy's having a conversation with a friend who is kind of dumb and is like, "No, dude, you know the Earth's flat," and you're like, "What? That's bullshit." And you type, "Is the Earth flat?" into YouTube, and then it serves you up a four-hour documentary about how the Earth's flat. And like, yeah, it's uh, probably your first mistake predictable. is typing it into YouTube. <laughs> it's probably not the place you want to get that yeah. answer. Yeah. No, but it's not like schools in America teach people critical thinking or how to functionally do research. It's like going to Yahoo so, Answers to be like, am I pregnant? Yeah. Which yeah. happens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> if you are asking Yahoo whether or not you're pregnant, you are in yeah, fact pregnant. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Probably second mm -hmm. or third trimester. <laughs> You should you should at least stop smoking for a while until you find out for yeah, sure. Yeah, maybe like. maybe put down the bottle for a hot second. <laughs> yeah. 
Now, further reporting using additional sources from within Google seems to support most of Chaslow's main contentions. In fact, it suggests that he, if anything, understated the problem. Chaslow left YouTube in 2012, uh, and while he knew about Google Brain, he did not know about a new AI called Reinforce that Google had just instituted uh, or instituted, I think, in 2015 to YouTube. Its existence was revealed by a New York Times article published just a few days before I wrote this, The Making of a YouTube Radical. That article claims that Reinforce focused on a new kind of machine learning called reinforcement learning. The new AI known as Reinforce was a kind of long-term addiction machine. It was designed to maximize users' engagement over time by predicting which recommendations would expand their tastes and get them to watch not just one video, but many more. Reinforce was a huge success. In a talk at an AI conference in February, Minmin Chin, a Google Brain researcher, said it was YouTube's most successful launch in two years. Site-wide views increased by nearly 1%, she said, a game that at YouTube's scale could amount to millions more hours of daily watch time and millions more dollars in advertising revenue per year. She added that the new algorithm was already starting to alter users' behavior. We can really lead users toward a different state versus recommending content that is familiar, Miss Chin said. It's another example of like, if you take that quote out of context and just read it back to her and say, Miss Chin, this sounds incredibly sinister when you're talking about leading people towards a different state. Like, Excuse like, me, ma'am. Um, are you, in fact, a villain? A supervillain? Are villain? you evil? You yeah. sound like a supervillain. Sounds like this might be evil. Is this a James yeah, Bond nobody movie? nobody ever has in the tech industry. Yeah. It's that no one ever has in the tech industry that are we the baddies moment where, where they're like, oh, we're addicting people to our service is that maybe bad? Shit, are we the Nazis? Damn, are we, this are whole we time Nazis? I thought we Fuck. were the Americans. Nope. Yeah. Now, YouTube claims that Reinforce is a good thing, uh, fighting YouTube's bias towards popular content and allowing them to provide more accurate recommendations. But Reinforce once again presented an opportunity for online extremists. They quickly learned that they could throw together videos about left-wing bias in movies or video games, and YouTube would recommend those videos to people who were just looking for normal videos about these subjects. As a result, extremists were able to red-pill viewers by hiding rants about the evils of feminism and immigration as reviews of Star Wars. In far-right lingo, red-pilling refers to the first moment that sort of sets someone off in their journey towards embracing Nazism. And so prior to Reinforce, if you were looking up, I want to see gameplay videos about Call of Duty, or I want to see a review of Star Wars The Force Awakens, it would just take you to reviews and gameplay videos. Now it would also take you to somebody talking about, like, how Star Wars is part of the social justice warrior agenda or how Star Wars, you know, uh, embraces white genocide or something like that. And so then, you know, and it'll recommend that to millions of people and most of them will be like, what the fuck is this bullshit? But a few thousand of them will be like, oh my God, this guy's right. Like Star Wars is part of a conspiracy to destroy white men. And then they'll click on the next video that Stefan Molyneux puts out or they'll, they'll, they'll go deeper down that rabbit hole. And that's how this starts happening. Uh, Star Wars is a conspiracy, though. Just take your yeah, fucking money. To, That's all it is. Not Just to, take yeah, your money. It's like take any money. other conspiracy not, uh, that involves yeah. movies. It's the only thing is to take your money. Yeah, not to destroy white people. They no. want white people because white people spend the most money on That's Star Wars. That's the whole point. Yeah, <laughs> like, if they killed that, yeah. that's that's the number one customer. No. That's killing your whole customer no, base. Star Wars. That's like if cigarette companies. Wants you to breed. 
didn't want mm-hmm. teenagers to start smoking. It's like, yeah, you need to replenish the flocks. Yeah, yeah. You you want people to start smoking in their 20s as they have children who grow up watching dad smoke. Yes, that's like, the plan. Yes, yes. Yeah, they want they want kids like me to grow up who every now and then will buy a pack of cigarettes just to smell the open pack of cigarettes mm. because it takes me back to moments in my childhood. Nostalgia. It is it's such a soothing smell. Unsmoked cigarettes, a little bit sweet, a little bit fruity. Filter. Uh, this Yeah. This is going to trigger somebody to buy cigarettes. Yeah, right now someone's pulling over to 7-Eleven. <laughs> fuck it. Yeah. And I feel terrible about that. And they're like, also, I just bought dick pills. They're like, I don't know what's Mm -hmm. happening to me. Buy dick pills. Fucking is good for your health. It's good for your heart. Uh, It's it's great. Fucking is uh, all benefits. Uh, Cigarettes are almost all downsides, other than the wonderful smell of a freshly opened pack. And looking really fucking cool. Yeah, well, they do make you look incredibly cool. I mean, that's unbelievably cool. So fucking cool. Yeah. Nothing looks cooler than this. Damn it. No, something does. Smoking a joint looks cooler. You're right. Smoking a joint does look cooler. And the coolest thing of all, smoking a joint on a unicycle. Uh, On a yacht. Wow. You just took it to another level. (laughs) I just would want to see how good your balance is (laughs) to be able to ride a unicycle on a yacht. (laughs) One of our many millionaire listeners is going to message me tomorrow being like, my husband tried to smoke a joint while riding a unicycle on our yacht, and now he's dead. You you killed the love of my life. And uh, or we'll get some dope fan art of you on a unicycle we'll smoking a joint on a yacht. Yeah, burning a fat one. <laughs> Speaking of fat ones, the New York Times interviewed a young man uh, who was identified in their article on radicalization as Mr. Kane, uh, and Mr. Kane claims that he was sucked down one of these far right YouTube rabbit holes thanks to YouTube's algorithm. He is scarred by his experience of being radicalized by what he calls a decentralized cult of far-right YouTube personalities who convinced him that Western civilization was under threat from Muslim immigrants and cultural Marxists, that innate IQ differences explained racial disparities, and that feminism was a dangerous ideology. I just kept falling deeper and deeper into this, and it appealed to me because it made me feel a sense of belonging, he said. I was brainwashed. There's a spectrum on YouTube between the calm section, the Walter Cronkite, Carl Sagan part, and Crazy Town, where the extreme stuff is, said Tristan Harris, a former design ethicist at Google, YouTube's parent company. If I'm YouTube and I want you to watch more, I'm always going to steer you toward Crazy Town. Um, and I will say, I'm, I'm very hard on the uh, on the tech industry regularly on this podcast it speaks well of a lot of engineers that the most vocal people in trying to fight youtube's algorithm are former google engineers who realized what the company was doing and like stepped away and have been hammering it ever since being like we made a nazi engine guys (laughs) like we weren't trying to but we made a nazi engine and we have to deal with gotta ring the alarm on this one yeah gotta really gotta ring the alarm on this one you know i used to work at google i worked at google for two years I didn't know that. Yeah. What did you do? I, uh, my job title won't explain what I did, but basically <laughs> uh, it was like a quality, uh, yeah, it, it has nothing to do with anything. But basically I got to, um, in Russian, like help build a um, binary engine that can, um, well, like train it, not build it, uh, train it yeah. to be able to tell whether something is, um, a restricted category or not, like something is porn or not, gambling or not, oh, okay. ch- that kind of stuff. So, cool. um, yeah, it was it was crazy. Well, that sounds 
different. Uh, than... Yeah, I saw some oh, of the yeah, most hey. fucked up stuff on the internet. You know, like I've reported child porn before. Oh, oh, the then FBI. you will have a lot to say about yeah, this yeah, latter yeah. part because th- we do talk about content moderators for a little bit. That's um, kind of essential. I'm going to be asking a couple of questions about that at the end. Yeah. 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 Now, that uh, that New York Times article, in full disclosure, actually cites me in it because of a study that I published with uh, the research collective Bellingcat uh, last year where I trawled through hundreds and hundreds of leaked conversations between fascist activists and found 75 self-reported stories of how these people got red-pilled. In that study, uh, I found that 34 of the 75 people I looked at cited YouTube videos as the things that red-pilled them. Um, I'm not the only source on this, though. Uh, The New York Times uh, also cited a research report published by a European research firm called Vox Poll. They conducted an analysis of 30,000 Twitter accounts affiliated with the far right, and they found that those accounts linked to YouTube videos more than they linked to any other thing. So... There's a lot of evidence that YouTube is the primary reason why, if you look at people who were researching the KKK and neo-Nazis in America in 2004, 2005, 2006, a big gathering would be 20 people. And then in 2017, four or 500 of them, however many it was, showed up at Charlottesville. Like, there's a reason their numbers increased so much over a pretty short period of time. And it's because these videos made more of them. Um, and there's there's a lot of evidence of that. So while Google is raking in more and more cash and increasing time spent on site, they're also increasing the amount of people who think Hitler did nothing wrong. Um, and that's, that's the tale of today. So uh, Mr. Kane, the New York Times source for that article, uh, claims his journey started in 2014 when YouTube recommended a self-help video by Stefan Molyneux. Mr. Molyneux is a great candidate for an episode of this podcast, but in short, he's a far-right YouTube philosopher, self-help guru who advises his listeners to cut all ties with their family. He runs a community called Free Domain Radio that some people accuse of being a cult that, you know— tells people to cut off contact with their family. Yeah, no uh, cool club yeah. is going to be like, hey, uh, please join us, but also never speak to anyone you love ever yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. Like, never talk to your mom again. <laughs> like, that's not that's not how a cool club starts, you know? That's, that's always... That's not how a cool club starts. That's always bad mm-hmm. news. Yeah. Yeah, cool clubs say never talk to the cops again, which cool clubs Absolutely do say. Right. Absolutely. Now, Molyneux has been on YouTube since forever, but his content has radicalized sharply over the years. At the beginning, he identified as an anarcho-capitalist, and he mostly focused on his ideas about how everyone was bad at being parents and people should cut ties with toxic family members. In recent years, he's it's made like, a bro, hard bro, just call your dad. Time. Call your dad, just bro. Call, you probably need to have dad, a dude. convo. Yeah, you guys probably yeah. just talk some feelings out. Maybe you'll calm the fuck down. I don't know. Like, it, 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 I don't want to say like there's actually are a lot of people with toxic family members who they do need to cut out of their lives, which I think is part of why Molyneux was able to get a following. Like, there's not nothing in what he's saying. There's a lot of people who have fucked up family backgrounds and who get told like, well, you just need to make things right with your mom. And it's like, no, if if your mom like sent you to gay conversion therapy, oh, maybe I, cut all ties with her forever. <laughs> like, I totally like agree. No, no, thing. no. I'm not trying yeah. to say that. What I'm trying to say is yeah. that he himself. Uh, to to pursue a life 
where you tell people to cut contact off with their family, you clearly have unresolved issues with your family. Oh, hell And if you yeah. resolve those by, say, calling your parents and talking to them, I'm not saying you have to make up with them. Yeah. I'm saying somehow get closure for yourself so then you don't spend the rest of your life trying to get people to quit their families. Yeah. That's yeah. just like, like seems, yeah. You got some shit to deal with, bro. Yeah. Um. But you know, he Molyneux didn't stay on that sort of thing. Like he made a switch over to pretty hardcore nationalism, particularly in the last two years. There's like a video of him where he's in um uh, uh Poland during like a far right uh march to commemorate like Poland's uh like Independence Day, and he like set like starts crying and has like this big realization of how like I've been against nationalism and stuff for years and I realize it can really be beautiful and like the unsaid thing is like I realize that white nationalism can be beautiful and that like uh instead of you know being a, an independent libertarian type I'm gonna focus on uh fighting for my people which is like white people and stuff so like that that's how Stefan Molyneux is now like he's essentially a neo-nazi philosopher at this point and he spends most of his time talking about race and IQ and you know talking about how you know, black people are not as good as white people like that's that's the the thrust of modern day Stefan Stefan Molyneux he also believes global warming is a hoax so maybe nobody should have much respect for Molyneux's own IQ um but a lot of people get turned on to Stefan's straight-up fascist propaganda because of their interest in Joe Rogan. Uh, Rogan has had Stefan on as a guest several times, and YouTube has decided that people who like Rogan should have Stefan's channel recommended to them. This may be why Mr. Kane saw Molyneux pop into his recommendations, which is what he credits as radicalizing him in 2014. Um, so, yeah, he, he, he wound up watching like a lot of members of what some people call the intellectual dark web, Joe Rogan, Dave Rubin, uh, guys like Steven Crowder, and of course, Stefan Molyneux. Uh, and over time, like he went further and further and further to the right until eventually he starts watching videos by Lauren Southern, who is a, a Canadian activist who's essentially, like he called her his fascist crush, like his fashy bae. So like wow. by, by like 2016, this guy who starts watching Joe Rogan and like gets turned in the Stefan Molyneux videos about global warming as a hoax and IQ and race. By 2016, he's like identifying a YouTube Nazi as his fascist like crush. Like that's how this proceeds for this dude. And that's a pretty standard path. But you know what's not a standard path? No, what? the path that our listeners will blaze if they buy the products and services that we advertise on this program. It, you, you seem like your breath's been taken away by the skill and, and, <laughs> and ingenuity of that transition. Truly, there was nothing I could add. It was a perfect, perfect work. I'm the best at this. I'm the best around. Nothing's going to ever keep me down. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to yeah. put a bumper sticker on a Rolls Royce. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. The bumper sticker is going to say, I got my genitals molded yeah. at Doc Johnson's factory. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want that bumper sticker. It's actually anyway. a hologram. And like when you look at it one way, I uh, am wearing a skirt. And when you look at it the other way, you see my vagina mold. It's it's really cool. Man, that Put is... a lot of thought into it, into it, so... That's quite a bumper sticker. And, the, you know, I, I have thought for a long time that what traffic is missing is explicitly pornographic bumper stickers. 
Like, if truck nuts are okay, why isn't that? Seriously, it's actually a lot more pleasant to look at than truck nuts. Yes, yes. Nobody actually likes truck nuts. Uh, no one. All right. Well, this has been this a long great. digression. Yeah. Let's, 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 products! The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild mini-games. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums, delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches, unique playing pieces, and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. We're back. Boy, howdy. What a day we've had today. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. So, at this point, YouTube's role in radicalizing a whole generation of fascists is, is very well documented. Uh, but YouTube is sort of stuck when it comes to admitting that they've ever done anything wrong. 70% of their traffic comes from the recommendation engine. It is the single thing that drives the platform's profitability more than anything else. Back in March, the New York Times interviewed Neil Mohan, YouTube's chief product officer. His responses were pretty characteristic of what the company says when confronted about their little Nazi issue. The interviewer asked, I hear a lot about the rabbit hole effect, where you start watching one video and you get nudged with recommendations towards a slightly more extreme video, and so on, and all of a sudden you're watching something really extreme. Is that a real phenomenon? To which Neil responded, yeah, so I've heard this before, and I think that there are some myths that go into that description that I think it would be useful for me to debunk. The first is this notion that it's somehow in our interest for the recommendations to shift people in this direction because it boosts watch time or what have you. I can say categorically that's not the way our recommendation systems are designed. Watch time is one signal that they use, but they have a number of other engagement and satisfaction signals from the user. It is not the case that extreme content drives a higher version of engagement or watch time than content of other types. 
So he basically has a blanket denial there. Uh, a little yeah, while, yeah, that's a yeah. huge just like blanket. No, we don't no, do that. No, that doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. And he goes on. It's a bit, a bit of a rambling answer. And later in his answer, Mohan called the idea of a YouTube radicalization rabbit hole purely a myth. The interviewer, to his credit, presses Neil Mohan on this a bit more later and asks if he's really sure he wants to make that claim. Mohan responds, what I'm saying is that when a video is watched, you will see a number of videos that are recommended. Some of those videos might have the perception of skewing in one direction or, you know, call it more extreme. There are other videos that skew in the opposite direction. And again, our systems are not doing this because that's not a signal that feeds into the recommendations. That's just the observation that you see in the panel. I'm not saying that a user couldn't click on one of those videos that are quote unquote more extreme, consume that, and then get another set of recommendations that sort of keep moving in one path or the other. All I'm saying is that it's not inevitable. So because everybody doesn't choose to watch more extreme videos, there's no YouTube radicalization rabbit hole. Yeah, Even and also- he's kind of acknowledging there that it does happen. Yeah. Nothing is inevitable. I mean, yeah. except for like death and whatever. You know, yeah. it's just to be like, yeah. Yeah. No, it's not about- a, a meteorite could hit your house before you get to click on the video that turns you into a Nazi. So of course it's not inevitable. That, yeah, like, it's just get, be yeah. like, it's not a hundred, it's not a hundred percent true is not no, a good answer when someone's like- A percentage like, of our users die of heart pretty, disease before the next video plays. <laughs> yeah, pretty high percentage of people. Yeah. yeah, that's not what we're asking, Neil. Now, the reality, of course, is that Neil Mohan is, uh, shall we say- not entirely honest. Uh, I think I wrote a damn liar in the original draft, but I'm not sure where the legally actionable line is. So pocket of big video. Say, yeah, a pocket of big, big video. For just one example, Jonathan Albright, a Columbia University researcher, recently carried out a test where he seeded a YouTube account with a search for the phrase crisis actor. The up next recommendation led him to 9,000 different videos promoting crisis actor conspiracy theories. So again, someone who heard the term and wanted to search for factual information about the conspiracy theory would be directed by YouTube to hundreds of hours of conspiratorial nonsense about how the Sandy Hook shooting was fake. Now, I'm going to guess you remember last year's mass shooting at the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. Um, by the Wednesday after that shooting, less than a week after all of those kids died, the number one trending video on YouTube was David Hogg, the actor which is obviously a video accusing mm -hmm. one of the kids who's been most prominent of being a crisis actor. According to a report from Ad Age, it and many others claim to expose Hogg as a crisis actor. YouTube eventually removed that particular video, but not before it amassed nearly 200,000 views. Other videos targeting Hogg remain up. One that appears to show Hogg struggling with his words during an interview after the shooting suggests it's because he forgot his lines. YouTube auto-suggests certain search terms that would lead people directly to the clips. If a person typed David Hogg in YouTube's search bar Midday Wednesday, for example, some of the suggestions would include Exposed and Crisis Actor. When reporters asked YouTube how that video made it to the top of their coveted trending chart, YouTube explained that, since the video included edited clips from a CNN report, its algorithm had believed that it was a legitimate piece of journalism and allowed it to spread as an authoritative news report would. Um, so again, that's their, that's their like justification. Like, we couldn't have known that this was fake news because it was fake news that used clips from a legitimate news site so like we're clearly not at fault here for the fact that we let a robot select all these things and no human being watched the top trending video on the site at the moment to see if like it was something terrible um also that's bullshit it, yeah yeah that's total bullshit now, YouTube's, or Nazi propaganda and conspiracy theories aren't the only things that spread like wildfire on YouTube, of course. 
pedophilia is also a big thing uh, on the site. Yeah, yeah, this is where we get to that part of the story. So this broke in February of 2019 when a YouTuber named Matt Watson put together a video exposing how rings of pedophiles had infested the comment sections for various videos featuring small children and used them to communicate and trade child porn. Now, this report went very viral and immediately prompted several major advertisers to pull their money from YouTube. The company released a statement to their worried advertisers, uh, informing them that they had blanket banned comments for millions of videos, basically removing comments from any videos uploaded by or about young children. Uh, I'd like to quote from NPR's report on Watson's video. Watson describes how he says the pedophile ring works. YouTube visitors gather on videos of young girls doing innocuous things, such as putting on their makeup, demonstrating gymnastics moves, or playing Twister. In the comment section, people would then post timestamps that link to frames in that video that appear to sexualize the children. YouTube's algorithms would then recommend other videos also frequented by pedophiles. Once you enter into this wormhole, there is now no other content available, Watson said. So... It might seem at first like this is purely an accident on YouTube's part, like that cunning pedophiles figured out that there were like they could just find videos of young kids doing handstands and stuff and use that as porn and trade it with each other. Right. Which would not necessarily be like, how could we have predicted this? It's just these people decided to use innocent videos for a nefarious purpose. But that's not what happened, or at least that's not all of what happened. So. In June, three researchers from Harvard's Berkman Klein Center for Internet and Society started combing through YouTube's recommendations for sexually themed videos. Uh, they found that starting down this rabbit hole led them inevitably to sexual videos that placed greater emphasis on youth. So, again, that's maybe not super surprising. You start looking for sexy videos, you you click on one, and then the next video, the, the woman in it are, is going to be a younger woman, and a younger woman, and a younger woman. But then at a certain point, the video suggested flipped very suddenly until, and I'm going to quote the researchers here, YouTube would suddenly begin recommending videos of young and partially clothed children. So YouTube would take a person who's like just looking for adults, like videos of like a, an exotic dancer dancing or whatever, like videos of, of attractive young women dancing. And then YouTube would start showing them videos of children doing like gymnastics routines and stuff. Like, that's the algorithm being like, I bet you'll like child porn. Like, that's literally what's happening here, which I didn't realize when I first heard this story that, like, like that's YouTube. That's not just pedophiles using YouTube in a sleazy way because pedophiles will always find a way to ruin anything. That's YouTube crafting new pedophiles. Yeah, it's a system that's, that's essentially insane. training you. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. wonder if it's like that with violence, too. If you look up a violent uh, thing, if it keeps recommending vi more violence, because that seems like, and hate, like that would happen. When I worked for Google, like the sensitive categories, uh, the restricted categories are, you know, mm. violence, hate, gambling, porn, child and porn, I think. There's even a messed up thing about that, because one of the problems that like people who document war crimes in Syria have had is YouTube blanket banning their videos because of violence. And then like you have evidence of a war crime and then it's wiped off of the Internet forever because YouTube doesn't realize that this isn't like violence porn. This is somebody trying to document a war crime. Um, it's made it really hard to do that kind of research. It's yeah, it, it, their response is always so terrible. Um, 
Anyway, the New York Times reported, quote, so a user who watches erotic videos might be recommended videos of women who become conspicuously younger and then women who propose provocatively in children's clothes. Eventually, some users might be presented with videos of girls as young as five or six wearing bathing suits or getting dressed or doing a split. So yeah, in its eternal quest to increase time spent on site, YouTube's algorithm essentially radicalized people towards pedophilia. And to make matters worse, it wasn't just picking sexy videos like that people had uploaded with the intent of them being sexy. Because it was sending children's videos to people, it started grabbing totally normal home videos of little kids and presenting those videos to horny adults who were on YouTube to masturbate. The report suggests it was learning from users who sought out revealing or suggestive images of children. One parent the Times talked with related in horror that a video of her 10-year-old girl wearing a bathing suit had reached 400,000 views. So, like, parents start to realize, like, wait a minute, I uploaded this video to show her grandma. There's supposed to be, like, nine views on this thing. Why have 400,000 people watched this video of my 10-year-old? And it's because YouTube is trying to provide people with porn because it knows that'll keep them on the site longer. That's That's fucking wild. Yeah. After this report came out, YouTube published an apologetic blog post promising that responsibility is our number one priority and chief among our areas of focus is protecting minors and families. But of course, that's not true. Increasing the amount of time spent on site is YouTube's chief priority. Or rather, making money is YouTube's chief priority. And if increasing the amount of time spent on site is the best way to make money, then YouTube will prioritize that over all other things, including the safety of children. Now, there are ways YouTube could reduce the danger their sites present to the world. Ways they could catch stuff like propaganda accusing a mass shooting victim of being an actor, or people's home movies of being accidentally turned into child porn, uh, even if they're not going to stop hosting literal fascist propaganda. Content moderators could add human eyes and human oversight to an AI algorithm that is clearly sociopathic. And earlier this year, YouTube did announce that they were expanding their content moderator team to 10,000 people. Which sounds great. Sounds like a huge number of people. Only that's not as good as it seems. The Wall Street Journal investigated and found out that a huge number of these moderators, perhaps the majority, worked in cubicle farms and India and the Philippines. Which would be fine if they were moderating content posted from India or the Philippines. But of course, these people were also going to be tasked with monitoring American political content. Now, Alphabet, nay Google, does not disclose how much money YouTube makes. Estimates suggest that it's around $10 billion a year and may be increasing by as much as 40% per year. Math is not my strong suit. I'm not an algorithm. But I did a a little bit of math, and I calculated that if Google took a billion dollars of their profit and hired new content moderators, paying them $50,000 a year salaries, which I'm going to guess is more than most of these moderators get, they could afford to hire 20,000 new moderators, tripling their current capacity. Realistically, they could hire 50 or 60,000 more moderators and still be making billions of dollars a year and one of the most profitable services on the internet. But doing that would mean less profit for Google shareholders. It would mean less money for people like Neil Mohan, the man who has been YouTube's chief product officer since 2011, the man who has overseen nearly all the algorithmic changes we are talking about today, the man who sat down with the New York Times and denied YouTube had a problem with leading people down rabbit holes that radicalized them in dangerous ways. I was kind of curious as to how well compensated Mr. Mohan is, so I googled Neil Mohan net worth. The first response was a Business Insider article. Google paid this man $100 million. Here's his story. So that's cool. Yeah. 
<laughs> Oof. And I can tell you from being a moderator, um, I worked on a team where everybody did what I did in a different language. So I did this in Russian and next to me was someone who was doing it in Chinese and Turkish and all the all of the languages. I mean, not all, but a, a significant a lot number. Of them. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I can tell you that we were hired as contractors uh, for only a year, very rarely would you ever be doing a second year because they didn't want to pay you the full benefits. Right. Like, you know, you don't get health insurance and whatever, all the perks that you would get from being a full-time Google employee. And the thing about what we did is you got exposed to a lot of fucked up stuff. Like, you know, uh, the videos and stuff that I've seen are like some of the worst the internet has to offer, like beheadings or someone stomping a kitten to death in high heels, like crazy shit. And it would really make you sick. And they like give you free food at Google and you like wouldn't be able to eat sometimes because you would be so grossed out. And it's not like they that's why you're only there for a year. Also, not just yeah. that you wouldn't be able to get full benefits, but also because they are okay with wasting your mental and physical energies and then letting you go and then just cycling through new people every year because um, rather than investing, you know, in employees that are full-time, making yeah. sure they have, uh, you know, access to mental health care and stuff like that and, um, you know, making that job be something that they take more seriously considering how important it is. Well, and that's part of what's really messed up is that, like, it's fucking Google. Like, if you go into the people people who are, like, actually coding these algorithms and stuff, I guarantee you those people have on-site therapists they can visit. They have gyms at work. They get their lunches catered. I mean, we all worked keep... in the same building, but, like, yeah. I can't, you know, I couldn't go get a free massage during. It's like, yeah, you know, you have a CrossFit trainer on-site and shit like that. For sure, you get incredible perks. And the whole point is... What I thought was kind of ironic about what we were saying is like the whole thing is to try to make you stay on YouTube. But when you work for a company like Google, their job is to try to make you stay at Google. So, you know, the reason you're getting all these benefits uh, and stuff and like free food and gym and massage and whatever is because they want you to stay and work forever. But they don't want you to like this not is part me. of what's messed up to me. Exactly. Like. And that's that's a very telling thing from Google's perspective, because they are saying that increasing the amount of the people who are coding these algorithms that increase the amount of time people spend on site, that is important to us. And so we will do whatever it takes to retain these people. But the people who make sure that we aren't creating new pedophiles while we make money, the people who are responsible for making sure that Nazi propaganda isn't served up to like influenceable young children via our service, those people aren't valuable to us because we don't care about that. So we're not going to offer them health care. Yep. Like if 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 Google really was an ethical company and if YouTube cared about its impact on the world, someone whose job who's there's nothing less technical or less valuable about what you're doing. Being able to speak another language fluently, being able to understand if content propagating on their site uh, is toxic or not. That's a very difficult, very technical task. If they cared about the impact they had on the world, the people doing that job would be well paid and would have benefits and would be seen as a crucial aspect of the company. But instead, it's sort of like, if we don't have someone doing this job, we'll get yelled at. So we're going to do the minimum necessary. And we're going to have most of the people doing that job be working at a fucking cube farm 
in India, even though we're expecting them to moderate American content and to understand all of our cultural nuances and whether or not something's toxic. Like, that's so fucked up. And also considering the fact that, like, ads is the reason that they hire content moderators, Mm -hmm. not because they care about the content necessarily. It's that it would be a huge, like, mistake if, say an ad for Huggies was served on a diaper fetish website you know they want something in place where the page knows the algorithm knows not to serve that even though it seems like a good match because the word diapers repeated and blah 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 you know what I mean so it's really less about it's it's more about uh keeping the advertisers happy and making the most money than it is about um yeah (sighs) ensuring that the Internet is and this, a less fucked up place. This gets to one of the things like when I when I get in arguments with people about uh, the nature of capitalism and what's 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 wrong with the kind of capitalism that we have in this country. I think a lot of people who like just sort of reject anti-capitalist arguments out of hand do it because they think that you're saying, oh, it's just wrong to make to make money. It's wrong to have a business that like makes a profit. And it's like the issue isn't that. The issue like this company Google could be making billions of dollars a year uh and still be one of the most profitable sites in in its of its type still make a huge amount of money and have three times as many people doing content moderation and all those people have health care but by cutting corners on that part of it uh because it doesn't make them more money it just makes the world better they make more money and it's worth more to them to increase the value of a few hundred people's stock than to ensure that there aren't thousands of additional people masturbating to children. Like that that's that's what I have an issue with with capitalism. Like that's that's Agreed. the issue. You can make a yeah. profit without also selling your fucking soul. Yeah. We could have YouTube. There's We're not enough saying YouTube money. should be banned. Like <laughs> I can get recommended new musicians that I like. We can all watch videos to masturbate to without more people being turned into pedophiles and Nazis. That's not a necessary part of this. Like, it's just because nope. corners are being cut. Yeah, it, it, uh, it just shows what the, what, value, what the value of our society yeah. is, what the values have, of our society are. Yeah, it's, they've literally said, like, $3 billion a year is worth more to us than God knows how many children being molested, than fucking Heather Heyer getting run down at Charlottesville, than there being... Nazis marching through the streets and advocating the extermination of black people, of LGBT people, of whatever, like, which is, again, part of why so many Google employees are now speaking out and horrified, because, like, they're not monsters. They don't want to live in this world any more than the rest of us do. They just didn't realize what was happening because they were busy focusing on the code and the free massages. Yep. And then, like the rest of us, they woke up to a world full of Nazis and pedophiles. Uh <sighs> I feel like you're looking at me to make a joke now, and I feel like, I don't know, this got real serious. (laughs) I'm more just tired. (laughs) We're all tired. It's a a very tiring world we live in. Yeah. Well, Sophia, that's the episode. Yay! (laughs) You want to plug your pluggables? Fuck. I mean, not really. Just want everyone to go and get a hug, you know? Yeah, everybody go get a hug. But um, Jesus. Yeah, but also uh, I am to be found on the sites we hate. 
you know mm-hmm. what a fun thing to pluck oh i'm I, available I love the sites on twitter and instagram <laughs> at the sophia and i have a podcast about love and sexuality around the world that i co-host with courtney kosak it's called private parts unknown so check that out check out private parts unknown uh i'm also on the sites we hate uh, BehindTheBastards.com uh, is not a site that we hate, but it's where you can find the sources for this episode. Um, I write okay is where you can find me on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at, at @bastardspod. Um, that's the you buy t-shirts on tpublic.com Behind the Bastards. Uh, yep, that's the episode. Go, uh, go, go find YouTube's headquarters and yell at them. Scream at their sign take pictures of their company and wave your fists. Uh, if you work at YouTube, quit. <laughs> it's not worth it. I mean, the more whistleblowers, the better. Yeah, yeah, quit and go talk to the New York Times or some, some fucking buddy. Uh, yeah. Also, um, one random thing that's positive is if you want, there's a lot of videos of trains on YouTube that I've discovered mm-hmm. of just trains passing by. Trains be, and ski fails. Yeah, I think you will find it very soothing. Mm-hmm. First, they'll be like, what the fuck? A video of a train that's 12 minutes long? Guess what? That'll soothe you. Soothe your ass. Or if you're more like me, watch videos of people skiing and then failing to ski. I mean, it's... that's if you want to laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Feels I mean, good I feel to like... laugh. <laughs> I feel like YouTube's algorithm is going to take you from train videos to train fails really fast. Um, oh boy. Yeah, <laughs> shit. I don't know. Now that yeah. now that I know about the the rabbit hole, I'm afraid mm-hmm. that there's a way to connect trains to children that I have not thought of. Oh no. I, I'm not even gonna make any further comments on yeah, that. Let's we should get end out this episode here. before this, this gets to sad. a darker spot. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.